You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. Uh, I am John Erica here as always with Ryan Goldfarb. We um, have a great episode today. We're actually revisiting a previous episode, one of our very first episodes. Which was episode 19 from October 22nd, 2019. So pre-pandemic. For those really original listeners, that, those, that one person out there, you know who you are. This is for you. No, I, it's actually an interesting topic. So the, the, the topic that we are revisiting is working in your business versus working on your business. Um, the broad concept being what's the difference between sort of being uh, having a business that provides you with a job versus having a business that provides, uh, you know, kind of exists as its own standalone business. And we talked about that in the context several years ago of how we were striving to do that in our businesses and how that was kind of the evolution of our um, journey as real estate investors. And we want to revisit that topic now with the, you know, experience of almost three years uh, behind our, our backs, if you will. Yeah. So in the spirit of this being a little bit of an update episode, we will probably end up calling this still working in your business instead <laughs> of on your business. Having said that, I think we've definitely made some strides in this department. Yeah. So maybe we can set the stage a little bit with some some context about how Ryan and I kind of got involved working together. Um, Ryan and I did not necessarily come uh, from real estate investing backgrounds. Um, I'm an attorney and prior, immediately prior to doing real estate, I was running uh, tech startups in California and New York, one of which was in the real estate space, um, but didn't really have in my mind that I was going to be doing real estate, you know, full time as a sort of career or profession. And at, when I started doing real estate it was just uh, my wife and I essentially uh, buying stuff out of our own money, originally just because we needed a place to live. And then it sort of evolved into um, uh, a money making scheme for us. But it was very clear throughout the entire process that we were, you know, it was something that that we did personally and kind of did everything we could to save money and make money through it. Um, not really thinking about it as a standalone business until much later around the time, I think when Ryan and I started working together and Ryan, I think that your career path is though different in the details, probably thematically similar to what I just described. Yeah, I was in, I was working in real estate finance. So I guess tangentially related or quite direct, quite directly related to real estate investing. Um, though in that context, I was not myself a real estate investor. Um, I bought my first deal. Well, you invested your time in the, that's true. I did. I, I invested my time for someone else to make money. So I, I guess there was an investment on my part. Um, just not much of a return. Um, so while I was, while I was at Wells Fargo, I bought my first deal locally in Jersey city um, which was a, a fix and flip. Um, I had actually maybe two years prior to that, I guess that was officially my first real estate investment, um, which was a turnkey single family rental out of state in Memphis, Tennessee that my brother and I bought. Um, I see that so many times on your real estate disclosure list yeah. and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, so there's that one, uh, that, that I almost don't even consider my first real estate investment because I, I, did almost nothing uh, in that deal. Um, and then fast forward 2016, I started doing real estate full time. I left my job at Wells and I've been doing uh, rehabs, flips, rentals, tax lien investing, a little wholesaling. Um, and now what we're doing, uh, which is primarily short term rentals um, ever since. So our evolution kind of working together and wanting to create businesses together began with our construction company. And we have many episodes on why you should not uh, start a construction company, but that is how we started. And I think from the start of that, we kind of envisioned that as being a business, you know, kind of a standalone business that we would both contribute to. Um, and we can get into um, the successes and failures of that. But from that beginning, we branched out to... Um, 
doing investing together, so purchasing properties together um, with either our own money or investor money, um, starting a management business together, primarily to service these properties. Um, at one point, that had you know long-term rentals in it. Now, basically, exclusively does short-term rentals. And then the latest kind of incarnation of that, starting this fund together that listeners of the podcast are familiar with that we've referenced several times, where we invest uh, exclusively in an opportunity zone in uh, Atlantic City. So um, I think just the scope and, and scale of what we do now in early 2022 versus what we were doing in 2019 is quite different. I think in 2019, we certainly had the construction company. Uh, I believe we had probably bought some properties together at the time. Um, I think that we had, um, or at least we were in the, the yeah, process of the process, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably the fund or something like it was something we were maybe talking about or were kind of exploring, but certainly hadn't really done anything concrete towards it. Um, and the reason why I bring up the difference of scale is that we're at a stage right now where it simply is impossible for us to manage these businesses or operate these businesses in any you know real way without our uh, without having other people to help us do that. Um, we recognized that problem back in 2019 uh, as well. But um, I think the problem now is even more acute. And because the problem is more acute and also because we recognized it back in 2019, we've made some strides to improve on that. So our kind of like, maybe we should just think of like, uh, one way to approach it is maybe to think about just our kind of like HR position in 2019, like where we were at manpower wise, kind of where we were at our own, what we were ourselves doing in the business. Yeah. Do you, do you remember off the top of your head? I, I don't, it's hard for me to put dates to. Well, I think we had two full-time employees, um, at that time. Um, we had several, three. well, we had two that were kind of working operationally, I guess, or, you know, not like construction worker types, shall we say. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we had at least two full-time construction working people. I think variously we might have had more. Yeah, three or depends, four. Various three or four yeah. depends on kind of when, you know, we're talking about it. We were using contractors to some extent um, to help us as needed on construction projects. Um, and I think that was essentially it. Yeah, I think what I would highlight is I think at that time we had maybe just started the management company together. It was right around that time. So I think yeah. I would say to the extent to the extent that we had this manpower, it was primarily for construction purposes. Right. Um, construction and then I think acquisition ish type ended stuff. Up being a lot of construction. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think one one difference is obviously the scope of what we're doing now is a little bit different and the weight of what our individual efforts and our collective company-wide efforts, um, what they're focused on is a little bit different than what it was two and a half years ago. Yeah. So I'd say like now now we're, we're tasked with a lot more on the operation side with existing rental property. Um, we just have a, a lot more scale. Um, so... The management business, there's a lot more to do, um, but we also have more people involved in in helping solve those problems. And I think we've um, done a little bit better of a job, though still not perfect. Um, we have done a little bit better of a job at ascribing different tasks to different people. Um, yeah. So not everything flows through us like it once did. Yeah, I think if I think of the spectrum between, you know, working in the business and working on the business, I mean, maybe even it's worthwhile just to just to rehash that whole dichotomy about what that really means. So I think for what we're talking about when we say working in the business means, you know, we are um, using our labor directly to kind of advance the operational like boots on the ground aspect of the business this is this is an example of working in your business <laughs> it. yeah it might be worthwhile to kind of discuss the the terms from a high level in in the business versus on the business so the concept of working in the business 
I mean, obviously in a normal English phrase, we're working both in and on the business constantly, but the dichotomy they're drawing is that working in the business means that we ourselves are the ones doing the operational kind of like boots on the ground, you know, nuts and bolts of running, of making the business go versus working on the business means in this context that we are working on growing, kind of expanding the business almost as an outsider, kind of um, a little bit abstracted from the nuts and bolts of the business. It's kind of the difference of, you know, having, uh, like I said at the beginning, I suppose, having a business to create a job for yourself versus having a business as its own entity that can grow and thrive and live, you know, possibly even without our direct involvement in it. So our striving throughout our whole time working together has been moving from working in the business where we are creating work for ourselves because we, you know, are just making ourselves work harder versus working on the business where we're focusing on the strategy of the business, growing the business. And in so doing, I think naturally, at least in our case, having other people that are doing the operations of the business. Is that a right? Yeah. I mean, I think one, one phrase you often use, uh, which I think applies to working on the business is the machine, building the machine that builds the machine. So, right, so right. creating, creating the, the systems and the processes and the mechanisms for the business to not only grow, uh, to not only operate without our direct involvement, but to continue, continue to grow without our direct involvement. Right. Right. So compared to where we were in 2019, I think we've moved further in the spectrum to working on our business in that verbiage, but we're still very much working in the business on an almost constant uh, basis. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'm. So I, I think we most recently would have answered the question about what our biggest pain point was by saying day-to-day construction management. Um, I think that is still certainly a problem, but I think we are. You know, we we have a construction manager at least for all of our projects in Atlantic city. Now we have a construction manager who has been certainly helpful in that regard. So maybe we can even tease it out kind of like that in that way. Like we can say here are the ways where we originally were working in the business and now here are the ways we've solved that problem. So let's quickly just run through uh, maybe the different functions that we have across the board. Um, This is going to be a little complex because there are different functions, but there are also different functions within different businesses. Um, so I guess a few different ways to think about it. High level, the different businesses that we operate are a property management company, a construction company, a investment development company, um, and then I guess sort of as a subset of the management company, we have a short-term rental brand, a hospitality brand that, that, that we are building out um, that will kind of touch the management business, but it will also, um, it will also feed into our development business a little bit as well. Right. Um, within all three or four of those businesses, there are different functions that we have to perform like accounting and finance, um, fundraising. We have to do the operations for each of those businesses. Um, so for the property management business that's handling things like maintenance for the construction business that's making sure the construction is moving along. Um, I would say, I guess, operations for the development business would be managing the construction and managing the management, but also doing things like finding deals um, and and doing investor outreach. Um, and I guess there's like kind of an overarching uh, an overarching theme of marketing across all of the different companies and the different brands. Um, and something like what we're doing right now with the podcast would probably best be categorized as a, as a marketing function. Yeah. So I think we could even go through each business function and say, you know, here's what that business, here's kind of like the day-to-day of that business and here's how we've solved or failed to solve that problem. Right. So I think, uh, I, I, you listed it in a different order than, than perhaps, um, might be the easiest to go. I, I think that the easiest for me, my mind to work is just by chronologically thinking about when these businesses started. So the construction, the construction business is the first business that we started. And the, the operations of that business are accounting, um, uh, and kind of general like back office stuff that goes along with that, which I think in the construction business is the most daunting of all of these businesses because of just the sheer number of transactions and cash flows and whatever in and out. Um, and then there's the actual nuts and bolts of doing the construction. So managing construction workers, um, permitting, um, procurement of materials, 
procuring design yep, uh, and design and architecture finding subs working with subs negotiating with subs um working with uh any component that kind of touches that utility companies the logistics of getting a dumpster on site of getting utilities on site exactly so i think day one of that business we did almost everything except the actual swinging of a hammer you know i think in fact, we did. Uh, swing. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, I, I, I often think about, you know, the very early times of the business. You know, we I talked about this a lot, but, you know, I, I have a distinct memory of uh, removing, taking off wood and drywall and whatever else from a truck on, yeah. you know, the first day of the project um, and feeling like that was a good use of time because it was like <laughs> pushing the project forward. So I think, um, and in 2019, we were not quite doing that. But so in 2019, we we're doing basically everything except for swinging a hammer. We had, people that were helping us do that in 2022 we're certainly still not swinging hammer we have people that are helping us do that some of the same people in fact um that helped us in 2019 but from an accounting perspective um back office perspective uh ryan you were basically spearheading that for this whole time period and recently six months ago or something we now have a full-time bookkeeper who's helping us and has been Um, a godsend and that's been a godsend. Um, and I would say probably spends most of her time on the construction business, although we have other businesses that she works on too. Um, we have, we're, we have access to an accountant. Um, I think that we have, I don't know if we're going to be using that accountant to do the tax filing for that entity this year, but I suppose we could. Um, Which one are you referring? Are you referring to the one we used last year, or the one we're using for the Opportunity Zone Fund, for example? Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm not sure which we would use for Liberty Hudson Construction, but the one we used last year was the one who did all the other returns, which is probably fine. So we'll use the. So we, <laughs> We have the we have the uh, accountant that we've we now have used. I don't know if we ever. I, I maybe the very first return we filed ourselves. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. So yeah, the very first re- the very first return we filed ourselves. Now we have that an accountant. That was brutal. I yeah. I think I think it was that one that I had. I have a Mac. I downloaded uh, Bootcamp or Parallels, one of those, so I could so I could emulate Windows on my or so I could run Windows on my Mac. So that I could download whatever tax act or something uh, like that. Yeah. Actually, maybe there were. T- yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe one year I think we did use tax act. I don't know which entities these were for, but one year we used tax act. The second year I think it was maybe like H and R blocks. Yeah. Uh, like they're desktop. Proprietary. Yeah, yeah. They're like yeah, desktop yeah. application <laughs> yeah. that is only Windows compatible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So now we we have a bookkeeper. We have an accountant. Well, we have, we're making progress here. We are making progress. <laughs> yeah. We have you know the construction, the actual people swinging the hammers. We've always had subs, uh, subcontractors, and we can have those. Though I think we we have grown to use them more, like use them True. more and better utilize them. Correct. Um, um, we had a lot I think, of in-house. we had too many in house guys at one point. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think at we have grown from. At one point, all of the design work was done basically by you or, um, you know, maybe in conjunction with the both of us, but like, you know, it was spearheaded by you. We now have uh, basically a full-time designer who works with us and some other uh, contract or type designers that work for us. Um, we've always used an architect to the extent that we've had to use an architect, but now we have a consistent architect that we kind of use for all of our projects. who's helped a lot. Um, and we have someone also the same person that does the design stuff that can also help kind of with plans and with looking at that. So that's another way that we've not, you know, working exactly in it. Yeah. But that, to me, that's a real clear example of how, of how far we've come because I, I think in the past we've gotten, we've gotten plans and either like you and I have had to like find time within you know usually like after a week to sit down and like go through the plans together and kind of like walk through see ourselves in it and try to design it without any sort of real background and how to do that um and now we we get these plans forward them to tatus maybe we talk through some stuff with him usually we talk through some stuff with him but tatus is our the person who has interior designer um but i mean it's you know the way that he approaches that is the reason why you hire someone who is specialized because i i think we can both do that type of work in some capacity, but by no means are either of us professionals at it. We're slower. We're not as good. 
So uh, yeah, less yeah. less efficient for sure. So I think that the biggest pain point that we've had until recently was the management of the boots on the ground operations. So it's kind of like overseeing all the things that we're describing, overseeing to make sure that the construction work, you know, the people that work for us full time, are there doing what they're supposed to be doing, overseeing the subs getting prices, um, working with the architects, scheduling, scheduling, uh, permitting, working with, uh, utility companies, quality control, quality control procurement. And a lot of that has been solved recently because we are now working with a construction manager, almost like an in-house GC to do a fair amount of that stuff. Um, and we're, we're, we're kind of ramping that person on more and more to be a bigger part of our operations. But that has been, probably the biggest recent change to our operations in that business in a long time. And I think that that is great. I, you know, still right now, I spend a fair amount of time personally, you know, overseeing aspects of construction. And I think that when we go down to Atlantic City, which is where we're doing the construction mostly right now, uh, we spend a fair amount of our time doing that task, which is just visiting job sites and overseeing to make sure that stuff is okay. But the goal with this person is to transition us increasingly away from that operational burden um, and allow him to just kind of take the reins on it. Yeah, I, I think two, two things that come to mind uh, within the construction context. Um, one is, I, I think we still spend, to the extent, like there, there are certain things that I think are natural things for us to take off of our plates now. Um, I would say like invoicing and paying people is one example. And then a lot of the kind of interim communication that happens. Um, I think both of those things are a product of having done things one way for so long now that it's it's hard to kind of unlearn or unwind those habits, both because we are trained to do that the same way and also the people who are, um, you know, the, the counterparty that we are talking with about the project is trained to talk to us and also when invoices or bills or someone has to be paid, um, when those come come in they still come to us so until until we sort of like yeah and there's a language issue that we're kind of dealing with too where uh some of our subcontractors and employees speak spanish exclusively and our construction manager does not so that's a little bit of an and issue but there's a and then the, the second thing i wanted to highlight specifically in the context of the the construction business is that one pretty unique aspect to this business is that it's a business without any sort of like sales funnel um we're doing you know we we started off doing a little bit of third-party construction back in 2018, 2019, um, but pretty quickly realized we didn't want to do that. So now- It's a huge mistake. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> so now, I, I don't know what the exact number is, but we've probably been doing about a million dollars a year, roughly, in construction over the last few years, um, and are probably pacing at least in that direction this year, um, probably quite a bit in excess of that. But it, it, I would say it's certainly kind of unique to be doing that much volume without any sort of sales source and really without any sort of effort towards sales because we're only doing our own projects. So it's really just to the extent that we have a, a pipeline that involves construction or yeah. construction, but business will continue to be fed. Yeah. And I think like part of it too, is that we've developed a little bit of a skill set in this and that we've just been doing it for a while. Like I would say our knowledge base compared to what it was in 2019 about how to sequence stuff, you know, when stuff should happen, who to talk to, what are the bottlenecks has increased, which isn't to say that because of that, we now need to do it. It's still right. Which isn't that to, to say that because of it, we now need to be the person doing it. But I think it's like, it's become, the pain has become a little bit less because we're now more capable of doing it. Um, so, but again, it, 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 that, that skill has helped the skill of knowing how to do it has helped in managing someone else to do it because we can kind of look at them and say like, Oh yeah, that's kind of what I think should happen. Or even say like, Oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. Thank, thank, you know, I'm glad that you're thinking of that. Um, but so if we look at our evolution in that two and a half year period of time for Liberty Hudson, the construction company, I would say we've made, we've made significant gains. So I'm really happy about that. Um, Flipping to the management company. So that's what we call Liberty Hudson Solutions. Um, that's our property management arm that Ryan alluded to, as well has some um, brand component below it that we're actually in the process of launching and maybe itself is worth an interesting episode in the future to, to talk about that. But um, 
So when we started the business, um, which kind of predates, I guess, us a little bit, because I, I had been doing property management for my own properties and then a little bit of third-party stuff for a bit, um, it was pretty much just uh, just us doing it. I mean, I, I have many memories of collecting rent in person, um, of showing up places to help move stuff, refrigerators, fix stuff personally. Um, we had an employee that... I had kind of allocated toward that purpose originally who was helping. Um, and we had another employee who occasionally, I think, touched some aspects of that just in their operations, kind of, you know, working with us in a very general sense. And we always had handymen. In fact, one of our construction guys often in that period, sometimes worked in that period on maybe more of our management stuff. But, you know, vividly, I recall phone calls, conversations with tenants, screening tenants, um, all that sort of stuff, uh, posting stuff on Craigslist, you know, to find tenants, apartments.com, uh, fielding phone calls. I remember that vividly. So today we've gone through and, and it's a little bit tough to describe this business because it's, it's almost bifurcated in two different companies uh, or businesses, um, the same entity, but there's the North Jersey aspect and there's like the Atlantic City aspect. So in the North Jersey part of it, we have kind of gained and lost employees over the years um, that work kind of in a tenant-facing capacity. I think that right now we're in a little bit of an interregnum period, right, between an employee and kind of what we're going to do next about managing it, where in that period of time I have been directly communicating with tenants and all that sort of stuff, which is not the best use of time. But I think that we're both in the observation that we need someone to kind of help fill that role. Um, what happened? I'm smiling because you just used a word that I don't think I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're wondering which of us went to an Ivy League school, I think the answer is pretty clear. Just thinking <laughs> the time in between the, you know. <laughs> John's been studying off at his SAT words. Oh, well, you know. Um, so we're in that period. <laughs> Interregnum, that's the word? Yeah, interregnum. Okay. Yeah. Good to I know. gotta look that up. I mean, just, <laughs> what is that? I feel like sometimes I'm using words incorrectly, and it's just not um, interregnum. Here we go. I'm, I'm not doubting it. A period when normal government is suspended, especially between successive reigns or regimes. Perfect. So that kind and of works, a perfect you know? use of the word. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, yeah. That's why they pay me the big bucks. That's you know why I work on the business. Exactly. I mean, that's, uh, so. Um, we're in that period of time. So we're, we're I think we're seeking, a, a, you know, another person to help us with that in northern New Jersey. In southern New Jersey, though, uh, in Atlantic City, we've made a lot of progress, I think, because we now have uh, basically two full-time employees to help us manage communications with guests who are, you know, like the equivalent of tenants um, in, in this context. In, in Atlantic City, we have uh, contractors, essentially, boots on the ground who... Uh, work with us. They're not full-time working just for us, but they provide us almost like full-time level, you know, responsiveness or support to manage the short-term rentals and guests that we have in there. We also have cleaners through the same company that manage that. Um, we have subcontractors. We have um, uh, uh, full-time, you know, person quasi in the construction space, quasi in this management space that helps us down there. So we, you know, are involved. I think I, you know, I'm thinking even quite recently, you were responding to basically every message that we received on Airbnb. Um, and now I would say our responses to Airbnb messages are very seldom, you know, only with something that kind of slips through the cracks or kind of a question that only we could answer or address. So um, we're still quite involved, I would say, operationally and just overseeing these people you know we're and, and i think that we both were just talking about this recently we don't want to have that level of oversight anymore because it does suck up a lot of our time and we think that the people that we have on our team you know we can kind of hand off we should be able to hand off these tasks to them without us having to kind of look over their shoulder and say like oh, are you sure that that's you know being handled properly yeah one, one point i want to make um i don't want to get too sidetracked here but i think it's it's worth pointing out that for all of these aspects of the business where we have um, where we have brought in someone else to help um, or where we have outsourced or where we have um, otherwise taken something off of our plates, I, I think it's worth bearing in mind that even when something is off our plates, it still 
requires our involvement. Um, so I can think, you know, accounting, I could think guest communications. Um, those are examples of things where even though we have someone in the role of, of kind of shepherding that process, there are inevitably transactions that we need to discuss with the accountant, or there are issues that arise with a guest that require our input. And I think part of this whole process and part of the journey of working on our business instead of in it is that when those things occur, we provide the necessary feedback and training, coaching, whatever you want to say, the guidance so that when that issue comes up again in the future, there is a better means for that, you know, the person in that function to handle the issue on their own without having to come to us. Yeah. And, and I think the degree to which we, we can both scale the business and remove ourselves from operations will be in proportion to the amount of time that we can do that. Right. I think, I think the nature of the business, both of the businesses that we're just talking about is that because we are, you know, where we are in the hierarchy of almost management, right? Like because we're directly managing, um, in the case of the uh, management company, we're directly managing like the boots on the ground people. We are always going to have some involvement in that. At some point, perhaps we will directly manage someone who in turn manages those people, but we're not at that scale yet. And we just are transitioning, I think, to this point exactly in the construction field from directly managing the construction workers and the subs to managing someone who in turn manages those right. people. So I think, I, think, I think the point is, or the lesson is, Along that journey, it's important to, to not just say, oh, we have a person now, they're going to take this off our plates and we're going to be good. It's acknowledging the fact that we're still going to be involved and it's, a, it's an evolving process um, to get to the point where that person is more and more and more autonomous. Right. Um, and you, know, you need to give them the tools and the knowledge to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so flipping to our last business, which I think also in the, the time scale is the last one that we um, have ramped up the development, investing, acquisition, whatever you want to call it, um, company, which I think, you know, includes the fund and, and our own projects acquisition wise, um, from an accounting perspective. And I, I guess I should say, you know, the Liberty Hudson solutions, the management company as well. Again, you were spearheading the accounting. Now we have the accountant that helps with that back office stuff, which is great. And, um, the bookkeeper and the accountant, I should say in the, the development company, um, I would say that's probably the one where in terms of personnel, we are least staffed. Um, so we have the, the bookkeeper who helps us with bookkeeping. We have the accountants who will help us with um, our accounting and the accounting for, you know, the fund entity is pretty complex. And it's great that we don't have to worry about that um, in a direct sense. But in terms of, you know, acquisitions, um, putting together financing, investor outreach, um, marketing, um, all that sort of stuff, we are still quite involved in that. Um, we do have someone that helps us with investor relations, um, sort of on a part-time as needed basis, which has been helpful. Um, but you know, we don't really have anybody doing anything with acquisitions. We don't really have anything, anybody doing anything with, you know, financing or whatever. Um, we don't really have anyone working in, uh, you know, find, you know, finding more money for us or whatever, you know, development or whatever, you know, that looks like. I so, yeah, I, I think there's also like, there's also an operations component to the development company. I think if we were to, th if we were to take away the fact that we have a construction company and a management company, as a development company and an investment company, we would still be spending a fair amount of time managing the construction process and yeah. managing the, the management process, but that would just really be managing a subcontractor instead of managing ourselves. Yeah. I think it's, it is important to note that we now have a transaction coordinator who we've been using who helps to facilitate that process. So a transaction coordinator in this context is someone who kind of guides, quarterbacks the the closing process for property and then make sure that everything is sort of appropriately set up for us when we close. So utilities, taxes, all that sort of stuff. So that's been very helpful. And then our, our, our VAs or virtual assistants will kind of bite off parts of this. I think, uh, you know, as needed, I could imagine they've done some things that help, you know, setting up utilities, making sure things are paid on time, that sort of stuff. But, um, I would say to the extent that we're not, the reason why I bring it up um, in, in a negative sense, I suppose, is that we're, I don't know if we're really actively searching for someone to do any of these roles right now. You know, I think our, our goal has been to 
extricate ourselves from the day-to-days of the construction and management company, I think from the development company perspective, it's almost as though our skill set is still needed for those companies because, for example, if we're raising money, that still relies on our personal connections. It's not something that we could really easily outsource to somebody because these are people that we personally know who we're raising money from directly. Maybe we don't need to be constantly holding their hand or whatever after we do it, but that's you know an aspect of it. I think acquisitions and all of that, which is very tied into our, you know, financial kind of thoughts and our big, big picture thoughts or strategy thoughts. I think that's something that is in our domain right now, you know? Yeah. I think it is worth pointing out that we've, I think I would say like we are in the process right now of hiring someone or possibly more than one person to help with both social media and just marketing in general. Um, And I think that that will certainly pay dividends on the development company side um yeah i think in that case we were it was in it was on our plates but our plates were so full that we never even turned to it so yeah just like having yeah. having somebody doing it is going to be better than yeah both us of us not doing, doing nothing <laughs> <laughs> um exactly. and then the second thing to your point I, I think acquisitions is something that i've thought about as possibly a next step for um for taking off of our plates or for you know bringing on someone to help with um and I think one reason for that is I, the way that we're set up, it's, it's challenging to make the numbers work to bring on a full-time employee who is domestic, who is right. based in the U.S., who's local. Um, and I think that that is a symptom of the types of projects that we work on. Um, if we're doing a, a big deal for us, might have a spread of $150,000. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard to... It's hard to feed 10 people, uh, a team of 10, when that's the spread and when we're only doing a, a handful of those projects. And the reality is the in the rental game, um, that's whatever that spread is, is just kind of equity on the balance sheet. We're going for cash flow and obviously right. we're not generating $150,000 a year in cash flow on a, on a single project um, at our scale. So um, it's all a long-winded way of saying that most, uh, at least in my mind, most of our impending hires would probably be remote and probably be overseas. And uh, so I've just been thinking about the things that that I think would be conducive to uh, being done remotely. And um, I also like to kind of start with like what I know when I when it comes to when it comes to hiring something out. I have a much easier time doing that with something that I yeah. know fairly well and understand so that I can teach someone and so that I know what the expectation should be as opposed yeah. to something that I know very little. Well, about. So I think this is a big change in our philosophy and our mindset from 2019 um, in two ways. I think in 2019, um, we were of the mindset of trying to bring everything that we could in-house mm-hmm. and in-house for us meant full-time employees that were physically located kind of where we were working. Um, that was what we were, you know, we had two full-time employees um, that were, uh, physically near us. And then we had those construction people that we mentioned. Um, now in 2022, I think our thought process is a, if we can find a contractor to do it that we don't have to bring on full time, I'd probably prefer that in almost, almost every circumstance. And B, if we do need a full-time employee, is there a way that we can find someone to do it remotely or virtually? Primarily the advantage of that being that we're able to take advantage of other, other places where we can pay people, um, a nice wage for that location, but compared to what we'd pay in where we are, uh, is a lot less. And the Philippines is one example. We were not using any VAs, virtual assistants in 2019. I don't think at all. I don't even think it's on our radar, but in 2022, we're using two right now. We're probably going to bring on a third soon in the social media role that, uh, Ryan alluded to maybe even a fourth, um, to help us out with that. I'm sorry, we're using three. Um, we have our, our, our bookkeeper. Yeah. So we're using three currently. We might bring on a fourth or even a fifth to kind of help us with that. And those, uh, and we've, we've actually been through several VAs kind of in finding our current VAs. Um, and that has been, I think those two changes. So like in-house full-time versus contracting. And then when we do in-house full-time, let's do it kind of at, at, you know, someone virtually have been really huge to enable us to get to this point. You know, I think you read books about kind of like whatever, you know, what is like the four hour work week or something like get 50 VAs to do everything in your life. And you kind of read and you're like, like how could that ever work? But I think in, you know, our experience is like, yeah, that, that does 
that is possible. Well, I think there's been a big lesson embedded in that, and that was at the beginning when we first conceived. Like we had a VA, at least one VA prior to the three that we have right now, and I think one big lesson that we've had was it's very hard to find a good VA when you don't know what it is that you're looking for. And mm-hmm. I think at the beginning, we kind of set out looking for someone who would just be a generalist or someone who'd be kind of a clone of us, but remote. And not to say that that type of person doesn't exist, but A, it's very hard to find that type of person. And B, even if you do find that person, it's very hard to train that person and put them in a position to succeed when there's not a clearly defined expectation for them. True. So I think as we've evolved as we've matured a little bit as a company and frankly as human beings i think we've understood or i think we've gained a clearer understanding of how to segment things out into functions that are more manageable more attainable to hire out for example hiring someone who is a bookkeeper or hiring somebody who's going to focus on guest communications or hiring someone who is an interior designer um, and maybe in the future, that's hiring someone who understands social media, someone who understands marketing, maybe someone who understands how to do acquisitions. Um, and I think also worth bearing in mind that these are all different people. Um, right. It's not, re- I think some people come into this thinking that they're going to find someone who can run the books for them, design every house that they construct, and then also underwrite every deal with an right. elaborate financial model. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a really great point. I think. I think for for me, it shows our you know maturity in operating this business that we're able to kind of parse out these subtopics. And like I think that we, I think in 2019 we just wouldn't have like the clarity of vision to just even say that exactly. We might conceptually kind of understand that, but just have the clarity of saying like here are the here are the places where we could use help. Here's what that help looks like you know, whatever, like I, I think we were talking about a social media or we were actually, we were talking about more of an operations person recently, Ryan, you and I, um, yeah. as a potential hire. And I, I, I like the way that we had approached it because it was sort of like, we weren't just thinking like, oh, we just got to find someone like, we'll just, you know, whatever, we just got to find someone. We were kind of think being thoughtfully like, well, what, what really would be their role? You know, like what exactly is their scope of responsibilities? Is that a reasonable scope of responsibilities for some one person? You know, when would they work? You know, what would be their qualifications? You know, what would be, what kind of background might they have? What kind of background? Yeah. Can we afford them? Like what would be, you know, what we we need to pay them, you know, like approaching it from that perspective, which I think is what mature businesses do is a lot different than I think our first hires, which are kind of like, we just need somebody to help us, you know, like any yeah, I think, we were, I think so, at, the, at the time when we first started, we were too overwhelmed with all that, all that we had to do that we couldn't even, we couldn't even segment out what it was that was overwhelming yeah. us or most overwhelming us. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we, uh, I think we've, we've probably now gone through all of the, that's the main three. I think yeah, we, we, those are the three entities. And so I think we've, so maybe we I can, think we've shown improvement in each in all three. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Now that we've kind of set the stage a little bit, um, I think it might be a good time to do a little post-mortem on some of this and maybe dive into some of this, ask some questions, um, maybe pat ourselves on the back, and maybe uncover some pain points that we have. So I, I've been scribbling down a few thoughts. Um, not sure which I will start with, but... Um, oh, uh, I guess I wanted to, to add one thing to all of this that I think is is worth noting. Um We've been speaking about this right now, um, specifically in terms of personnel and how personnel has, you know, made different personnel or additional personnel have solved a lot of these problems. But I think another big thing to highlight is that there's been a lot of tech and a lot of software that we've employed that has also helped a lot. Um, so I mean, our, our, our tech stack, if you will, obviously Slack is a big part of it. That's, that's maybe the backbone of everything. It's what we used to communicate, um, obviously cloud-based document management stuff like Google Drive is huge. Um, But I would say something like Guesty has also played a big part in this and centralizing and sort of legitimizing our our operations as as short-term rental operators, Um, various pricing tools. Pricing tools, yep. um, I think we've, we've been experimenting with some cleaning and maintenance tools that we've signed up on or signed up with, um, and that specifically has been Breezeway, um, I don't think the utilization of it has been what we had hoped, but I think we're we're still it's still in its relative infancy. I don't think we're 
I, I guess at this point, I don't think the issue necessarily has been the platform itself. I think, I think it has been more mm-hmm. so on the execution of how to use that platform. Um, I would say QuickBooks and Wave, the accounting softwares yep. we use, those have been those have been huge. huge. Um, I, I've I, I would highlight QuickBooks specifically. Um, you know, it has its quirks and it has its like. There's a little bit of a learning curve. Certain things can be a little bit complex, but there's a reason why I think it's like sort of the the most ubiquitous of the accounting tools out there um, and bookkeeping tools out there. And and I think a lot of the a lot of the proper accounting practices that we practice now are a result of using a software that sort of encourages certain best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Gurley for carrying those out and for kind of yeah. showing us the way with a lot of those things. But I think the, the right Gurley software, is our uh, bookkeeper right. just to reference. It. Um, but I think the right software can, can really um, lead you right. Um, any other software that comes to mind? Well, I think we I think we've experimented with a lot of different software platforms, and I think that we're continuing to do that. I mean, um, just even you know we're developing kind of an online presence, but I think having you know having other channels to accept bookings through, which Gastius facilitated, has sure. been important. Yep. So, like direct bookings, we're now going to be on uh, Marriott um, through their short term rental program, um, Booking dot com. That sort of stuff has been cool. Yeah, it's Ver- not necessarily Verbo software. Yeah. Verbo, yeah, it's not necessarily software platform, I suppose, that we're directly implementing with, but just having that. Um, it doesn't really impact necessarily our productivity, I suppose, in the sense, but just having that as like a you know expansion of our business has been nice. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, there are probably others and I don't want to shortchange any iMessage, I'm, uh, <laughs> iMessage, WhatsApp, SMS, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the phone. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, a few other things that came to mind. Um, I think a big topic here is, is just managing people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's a huge part of this whole growth process. Um, I think it's something that we're both learning, frankly, on the fly, uh, I have, you know, prior to being here, prior to doing my own thing real estate wise and and then later working with John, I worked uh, essentially at an entry level role at a big bank. So I had nobody working beneath me. Um, I had zero management, uh, zero managing responsibility. Um, So it really wasn't until we were working together and we either were managing subcontractors or our own people that I've really had to have any sort of management experience or that I've gained any management experience. So there's definitely been a learning curve there. Um, I think we, I think we struggle with certain aspects of this. I think we've made a lot of strides in certain aspects of this. Um, I think it's a lot of learning by doing really, you know, I think it's, it's tough to, you could be, you could read books about how to manage people, but actually implementing it is a lot different. And it's at least in our, my experience is kind of different on the person. You know, some people, um, their skills are such that they require more or less handholding um, or whatever. So um, that's an iterative process that we've, that's an iterative process that we've had to learn more about as we go on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's something that we've, we've obviously been, we've obviously been doing this, spending a lot of time doing this. And frankly, it's something that has had a probably outsized uh, impact on our business. But I would say it's not something that we've necessarily approached with a lot of intention. Um, And I think personally for 2022, one of my goals was to become a little bit more hands-off with a lot of the things that we do. Um, And the best way to accomplish that in my eyes is, is to empower others. And I think that that, you know, that kind of requires or mandates a certain level of, management um and a certain understanding of how to how to work with people how to manage people how to lead people um and you know we haven't really done this or talked about this really but i think that's that's probably that that's definitely an aspect of the business that i think we could um that would merit a little bit more attention than it gets agreed yeah i think so i think it's becoming more important the more people that we have working for us right so um and i think I think you know one thing we've implemented recently, which is your suggestion, Ryan, which I think is a great one, is having weekly check-ins with people. You know, just even having some FaceTime with people or a phone call. I had that written down as a note. Uh, the note that I wrote down was meetings, unnecessary evil. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I think you know I, we were saying this back in 2019 about how um, people that are entrepreneurs want to work for themselves 
are very skeptical of the concept of having meetings and anything you know, that seems procedures, corporate, yeah. corporate yeah. right? It seems like, oh God, like this is why I left corporate America. Right. But, you know, I, as I said then, and I continue to agree with conceptually, um, there's a purpose why these companies have these things. And to the extent that we implement them, I mean, we're not having people fill out forms or whatever um, every day, but, you know, having check-in meetings, um, having some type of procedures, having checklists, things like that um, are hugely important. Yeah, and, and I think as we go along... They're, they're important for the manager, I think, more so than the employee. And so when you're, when you're an employee, you're like, oh, these are stupid. But when you're in the position of a manager, it's like, oh, I get it. I, yeah. I, I agree they're important for the manager, but I, I do think they're important for the managed. Um, the managed. <laughs> because <laughs> I, at least the way that I work, I, I know I benefit from structure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when there are things that I when there are things that I'm overwhelmed with or overwhelmed by or struggling with, um, sometimes a little bit of structure and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of forces or guidance is what I need. Yeah. Um, and sometimes a checklist or some, some type of like bureau bureaucratic mechanism is the, the way to unlock a little bit of that momentum. Um, but I think it's also important to bear in mind that the, as we go along, I think it's, it's each, you know, meetings, meetings themselves like just having a meeting is not going to solve problems it's it's about having the right meeting at the right time and g- approaching the meeting in the right way um so i think it's important to like constantly be be reflecting on that and and not just fall into the habit of of doing things for the sake of doing things because it seems like what you're supposed to do i think a related thing or a, maybe a subtopic of leading people and managing people is is the the means through which we can hold hold people accountable um, I don't think that's something that we were great at when we first started. I think it's not something that we are all that great at today, but I think it's something that we're definitely getting better at. Um, I think things yeah. like these meetings are, are exactly yeah direction. yeah. I think like the kind of concept of confrontation in that sense has always been difficult for us, and we've talked about this before. I think maybe even in this context exactly, but yeah, like sort of calling people out is tough and letting people go is tough. Um, and we've had both of those um, you know, that have come up to us. I think we're trying to kind of be faster and better about that. But I think the fact that we're thinking about it and talking about it is a, a step towards doing right. <laughs> some of these things. So, yeah. Right. Um, there, there's something I have written down. I'm going to be honest. I wrote it down maybe 20 minutes ago and I don't remember exactly what I was thinking when I wrote <laughs> it down. Uh, what I wrote was the small business paradox. Uh, and I think what I meant by that is when you have a small business and when I say small, I mean, you know, let's say under $500,000 in annual sales or something like that. Um, when you have a small business, there's only so much margin to go around. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, you still, as a small business, you still have to do all of the functions of a big business. You still have to do accounting, yeah. finance, operations, sales, um, legal, compliance stuff, right. all of that, um, marketing. And in the absence of that scale and in the absence of those larger margins, you simply don't have the capacity to bring in a single person to do all of those things. Yep. You either need to get really lucky and find like your one hire who's going to be able to wear enough hats that you can take those things off your plate, but that's you know probably unrealistic to expect. Yeah. Or you yourself have to kind of wear each of those hats a little bit. Um, so I think that's something that we had struck- struggled with for, for a long time. I think we have the benefit of a little bit more scale now, which allows us to, to, for example, hire a bookkeeper because A, they're remote. So the, the cost of hiring this hiring a full-time employee to do that function is not as high as it would be to locally. Yeah. And B, we have the scale both because our individual businesses have grown a bit, but we also have the scale of being able to deploy that person across multiple businesses yeah. that makes some of these hires a little bit more attainable. It's a really great point. I hadn't even really thought of it in that context, but it makes a lot of sense because, you know, even if you're making, you know, we talked about this, I think in earlier episodes about, uh, you know, real estate success, right? Like even if you're making a great return on a real estate investment, your raw dollar amount might be low. And I think at the beginning of our real estate investing career, you know, we're making good returns in some of our projects, but that still meant that the take-home pay for us was, you know, low. And so splitting that with other people to kind of facilitate that is tough. And I think we've kind of like taken, we've, we've taken those growing pains. We've kind of like swallowed our medicine, like went through the harder times and we're now emerging from that, um, chaos essentially in a more ordered way where we finally have the resources exactly to your point to 
to expand um, or, and also to take stuff off our plate. So it's, it's exciting. Yeah. We're racing against the clock here, so let's see how much we can squeeze in the last few this minutes. Is a long, this is a longer episode. So. <laughs> um, I, I just wasted a lot of time babbering about, you know, interregnums. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I jotted down earlier that I focus, a few things like focusing on processes um, and identifying and solving problems. Um, I think these, in a lot of ways, are, are a, also a subset of the managing people um, heading which, um, you know, is kind of the, the leadership aspect of business. And maybe the, a better way to say it is it's, it's the way you get to, it's the way that you get to kind of hire yourself out of the business. It's by having these processes and it's by identifying problems and solving problems. Um, I think that that's kind of a a running theme, I would say. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we, I think we get caught up. I think we get caught up during, uh, in a lot of days, identifying and solving small problems. Uh, and by that, I mean problems that are like exclusive, like only matter in the moment. Um, and we let a lot of problems slip by that we could solve by better training someone, better giving someone. Yeah. Even, I think it's, yeah. yeah. This morning, I feel like I had a, a moment like that. Like, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think one way to think about that same concept is being reactive versus proactive, right? Like a lot of the times we spent reacting to small things and bigger things that come up, the solution to that is to have been proactive, right? Or to be proactive, to solve, you know, to create a system to solve those types of problems in the future. Um, so we talk a lot about how a lot of our time is just reacting to things that happening are happening to us, but we're not being proactive in terms of, being strategic or thinking about how to solve this problem forever, not just this one time. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I had a little bit more of a, a micro example of that. Um, what I was thinking about was uh, in the context of something like guest messaging. Um, as I said, we do, you know, we have people who do guest messaging on our behalf. We have two VAs specifically who, who help with it. Um, John and I still step in here and there and answer a fair amount of questions, but um, there, there's been something that I think has bugged both of us for quite a while, and that's um, this, sometimes the style or the, yeah. the the method by which someone communicates. One of our team members, in particular, um, and you know, we, we we've probably acknowledged it to each other probably four or five, six times. The conclusion we came to is maybe that person is not the best fit for what it is that we have yeah. or doing, and um, I think that that's entirely possible. But I also think that rather like each for every time in the past that one of us has just jumped in and responded to a question because we weren't we weren't confident in the way that we should that she would have answered the question. We would have been much better served if we just spent the same amount of time responding to her and coaching her on how to answer that question the way that we would have liked. Um, Right. And only recently have you reached out into to comment about that. And I think that's great. Yeah. And yeah. And not to say that that means that like she is the right person for that role um, or that that's the best way to deploy her. But you know, it's, it's at least, it's at least an effort in trying to solve a problem that will hopefully um, eliminate a few. Yeah. It's an, it's an, it's an effort being proactive. It's saying, you know, I'm identifying this problem. I want to identify a way to solve this problem forever, not just in this one incident. Yeah. Um, I think we have to wrap up, which is unfortunate because I have a bunch of notes here, but there's a snowstorm coming. So I have to get back to my home. I think John has dinner plans. Yeah. And this is a longer episode, but I I think, I think what that means is that we should continue to have episodes like this to continue because there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And I really like talking about the business of running a business. Um, uh, at times in this podcast, less, you know, I enjoy talking about the real estate stuff and the STRs and all that, but I think sometimes it's fun to take a, a more macro look at what's going on. And so, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, if you are able to follow, like us, um, comment on this, uh, topic, uh, in any way that you're watching it, if you're on YouTube, you can comment directly on it. Um, but if you're able to do that, we would really love you doing that because it shows us who's watching and how, you like to consume the content and what you like to see. Uh, we always love talking to people who watch, listen to the podcast. I think all the time we have people reach out to us and it's really fun. The best way right now to talk to us is through email. 
My email is john, J-O-H-N, at libertyhudson.com. Mine is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at libertyhudson.com. This is definitely a topic that fires me up. So yeah. if you can relate to this, if you're in a in an entrepreneurial role and have faced similar things or are facing similar things, uh, I, I'd, I'd love to debrief on it, chat through it. Um, it's definitely something that I, I get a lot of value from. And Yeah, one thing that Ryan told me recently that um, is, is great to, to, for everyone to know is that Ryan's a great endurance athlete. And I just know that about Ryan. So he's ready to go run a marathon right now. He's going to you know, do some CrossFit. So that's... <laughs> Couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> um, but he's fired up. That's it. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. I really, really appreciate... Um, we really appreciate all of the, the feedback, suggestions, comments, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at BrickXBrickRealEstate.com for free content to help you along your real estate journey and to follow along on our projects. Subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app and engage with us online via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and BrickXBrickRealEstate.com. See you next time on the Brick by Brick Podcast.